your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the Locked On NHL podcast, your Tuesday edition of the show. Joe DiBiase from Locked On Savers and Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs. And luckily for us, uh, our two teams probably made, I mean, at least two of the most noteworthy trades in the NHL on deadline day. So this should be a breeze, right, Mike? I would say so. Uh, definitely, I think noteworthy um, is certainly the word we could use, but definitely on the total opposite spectrum. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the Leafs are probably pretty happy with the way that uh, the deadline went and, and the pieces that they had to give up. Not too sure you guys over in Buffalo are too stoked about your return on Taylor Hall. No, no, we are not. Uh, that is putting it lightly. So... We'll get to the East Division. We'll break down the biggest trades in the East, including that Sabres and Bruins trade in the back half of today's show. And we'll get right to Toronto pretty quickly here as we'll start with the North Division. There were 26 trades in total on deadline day. That was the fewest amount since the year 2000. And it gave off those vibes, right? Like, I I don't know. I think the way I would describe the deadline this year was it was kind of a dud. But also, I was bracing for that because you know, all the storylines about, you know, the flat cap and there not being that many buyers. And Greg Wyshynski from ESPN had this article about teams saying that it will cost us money to actually even make the playoffs and and to, you know, go far into the playoffs. So there was a lot of financial reasons and with COVID restrictions, of course, going across the Canadian border um, either way was was a headache this year. So it was a dud of a deadline, but I guess uh, I would say I was, I was bracing for that. What about you? Yeah, I think it's kind of what we were all expecting. At the same time, I think we were all embracing for a slow deadline, and it may have actually exceeded expectations for what a lot of people were expecting, right? I think uh, the weekend leading up to it, like between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, was rather busy. We saw 12 deals between those days and then another uh, 16 or 17 on deadline day itself. So it was decently busy, I would say, uh, more busy than I thought it would be, despite also being like a record low trades on deadline week. But I, I think we all expected it. Uh, but there were still some some nice moves and some pretty sizable deals that were made, some good players that got dealt. So let's, uh, let's get into this. Let's do it. Let's start with your Leafs. They made a huge trade that I believe affected the Taylor Hall return, but we'll get to that in the second half of today's show. They send huh. a first-round pick to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Nick Foligno. They also sent a fourth round pick too, right? 2022 fourth round pick. That's right. Um, So my first thought when I saw this trade was really Nick Foligno got a first round pick. Oh boy. I mean, the hall return is going to be through the roof because there's much more production there in recent years than Foligno, but let's look, let me not get carried away. We're not at hall yet. Let's stick (laughs) with Foligno. What do you think he means to the Leafs? And I would, you agree with my instinct which was first round pick for for Felino might be too much. Um no. Uh here's why. So I for the Maple Leafs, I thought they would pay more like to the Maple Leafs Felino is more um more than a score. Well, he's just more of what they need, right? So I think Felino is kind of that missing piece, that missing element that can help Toronto get to the next level. He's something that they just don't have 
And Taylor Hall wasn't that. So for me, I wasn't surprised to see Felino fetch more than Taylor Hall. I, I know that a lot of people, and especially probably, you know, y'all in Buffalo are, were pretty upset about the return and the fact that they got more for Felino um, than Hall. I, I expected that. Like when the, there was rumblings that it was going to happen, that Felino was going to fetch a first. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like that to me does. He, he brings a lot to the table. Um, and he's somebody who Toronto coveted, I think, uh, not only because of he's a high character guy, which is something that the Leafs really, really have focused on all year long. You think of the additions they made in the offseason, coupled with the moves that they made so far this season. I uh, think about all four guys that the Leafs traded for at the deadline, Riley Nash, Nick Foligno, Dave Riddick, and Ben Hutton. They're all very high character people. And uh, you think about Felino though, and what he can also bring on the ice. He's not the 70-point, 30-goal scorer he was back in 2014-15, but I don't think the Leafs are spending a first-round pick and expecting him to come in and provide top six offense. I think that the versatility that he can provide this team, whether it's on the top line, the second line, or even the third line, and he can play both wing spots or he can play down the middle. And that type of versatility, I think, is why I was okay with Toronto paying up a premium to get a guy like Nick Felino over somebody like a Taylor Hall, who it's like, okay, you're gonna stick him on your on your in your top six and hope that he scores because if he doesn't score then he's not going to give you much other else production where Nick mm-hmm. Felino, if he's not getting you points at least he's going to impact the game in other ways and I think Toronto already has those x-factor um, offensive players in like the Tavares's the Matthews Nylander Marner they just needed somebody else who could come in and play more of a, a, a grinded out tough mm-hmm. nose type of player and that's exactly what Felino brings all right, and what what did you think of the Leafs' other moves? Uh, I think the other most noteworthy one would be what they did in net, bringing David Riddich in to, uh, to back up Jack Campbell. I mean, I, Campbell's been incredible. Anderson's got this mystery injury. Maybe not mystery injury, but... Uh, no, he's mystery, all right. Is no it a mystery? Knows. Okay. No one knows <laughs> except for uh, for Freddie and Maple Leafs Brass. Uh, all we know is, is that Freddie will come back when Freddie is good and ready. That That mm. is what have been told uh, by the media um, or that's what the team has told us this is on Freddie's timeline not the team doctors and he'll come back when he's uh, good and ready and obviously I think based on the moves that we saw at the deadline it's it's probably not going to be until uh, the the playoffs because they went ahead and stuck him on LTIR and kind of use his cap space to go out and make other additions so mm-hmm. uh, yeah like you said it's going to be Jack Campbell and David Riddick tandem down the stretch, and then once the playoffs come, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there once the cap opens up and they can take him back off of LTIR and stick him on the active roster. But, uh, yeah, Dave Riddick, I think, is is a, a decent addition. It's certainly a upgrade from Michael Hutchinson, who was the, the third goalie here in Toronto, and he actually played tonight, played against his former team in the mm-hmm. Calgary Flames, and they lost in overtime. Goudreau made a nice play uh, in overtime. But, you know, Riddick, uh, I think, is a, a, a nice... Nice ad. They got him at a 50% cap hit, so it allowed them to make an additional move as well uh, to bring in a guy like Ben Hutton, who I think is a solid, solid depth defenseman who can come in and play a little bit of a defensive role, which is something that they don't necessarily had depth of. So um, overall, really big fan of the Leafs moves, and I think it put them from cup contender to legitimate cup contender. 
Mm-hmm. I I like their moves a lot. I think they filled the holes that they needed to fill. I think Riddick Riddick gives them the insurance in net that they needed. Campbell has played incredible. He just finally suffered his first loss uh, in his twelfth game with the team. And if Anderson is going to have this injury throughout the rest of the season, they needed somebody else that you could reasonably stick in the net in a playoff situation and it, at least have some expectation that he's gonna he's gonna he's not gonna kill you. So I like Riddick for that. I do like Felino in their middle six a lot. Um, so Toronto were really the big winners, I think, of the North. Uh, we'll get to a couple other deals that happened in the league, but non-deals, the Winnipeg Jets, I was very surprised that they didn't add, especially on the blue line. I, I guess I didn't really think they would do anything else at forward um, or especially in net with Hellebuck, but I was really surprised that they didn't add something of note uh, on the blue line. Yeah, me too. And and on my uh, on on overdrive up here in in Canada, I did like a, a power rankings of the Canadian teams and how they did at the deadline. And I had the Winnipeg Jets in dead last because that they didn't do anything at the deadline. They didn't go out there and make an addition. Um, I guess technically they did get Jordy Ben, but that that's a depth guy. They needed someone to come in who could play top four minutes. They need a serious defender um, on the blue line to help them out. And they didn't go out and get that. And Winnipeg is really the only team that I can see in the North division that can compete with Toronto. And after seeing what the Leafs went out and did, I was just shocked that uh, Winnipeg didn't go out and make a move themselves to try and keep up with the Leafs here in the North division race. Yeah. The one guy I thought about for them was David Savard. Yeah. Uh, Now that does end up costing them Tampa, after a three-way trade, a first-round pick. But uh, I thought Savard made sense for Winnipeg because he would have played in their top four. Ben, like you mentioned, Ben's not... Ben probably doesn't play in their lineup night to night. He might uh, imagine. So definitely just a third-pairing guy. Like Nikita Zadorov, I was kind of surprised, stayed put out in Chicago. He could have been somebody who they brought in. Uh, potentially Jamie Alexiak out in Dallas. Neither of them ended up getting moved. Uh, Alex Goligoski, Josh Manson, I think would have been a pretty good uh, option there. Mm-hmm. Brandon Montour from your Buffalo Sabres. Um, mm-hmm. I know he ended up getting moved a little earlier in the week to Florida, but I thought they should have been in on that. And, and what did he get, a third-round pick for him? Third-round pick. Match, yeah. How do you not match that if you're Winnipeg? Like, Manson could at least play in your top four. Right, like he can play yeah. those minutes, and you need a guy like that. And, and for whatever reason, um, they just didn't make any moves whatsoever. And for that, like they're one hundred percent my my like losers mm. of the north when it comes to the deadline. Yeah. All right. Well, couple two other trades to talk about in the north, and then we'll take a timeout and get to the east division. You've got the Calgary Flames sending. We already talked about the Riddick deal, sending him to Toronto uh, for a third round pick. They send Sam Bennett to the Florida Panthers and in exchange they get a second round pick and a prospect. So five Please. no five not five years, seven years after they took him fourth overall and with the Sabres being at the top of that draft, I remember that draft vividly that everyone everyone knew Ekblad was the number one guy. Or that at least he was going first. And yeah. then there was no consensus about who the top forward was. A lot of people had Sam Reinhardt as it. A lot of people had Leon Dreisaitl at it. And a lot of people had Sam Bennett. In fact, Central Scouting, I remember, had him as the number one overall player. Um, and looking back Calgary seven years later, Cal- Calgary's got to be disappointed that they got uh, him and not the other two. 
Well, yeah, I mean, Calgary's the team that were kind of stuck with the last player, so they ended up, they just kind of took Sam Bennett. Um, yeah. Buffalo, I'm sure, is probably kicking themselves for taking Reinhardt over Leon Dreisaitl, it's, but we're yeah. not going to open up yeah. those ahead, old ones for you because I'm sure you, you've had enough yes. words <laughs> seven years since that trade was, or since that pick was made, but uh, you know what, back to, back to the Sam Bennett deal, you know what, I think Calgary made out like bandits here when it comes to this pick, uh, when it comes to this trade. I, I understand, yes, this is a, a former fourth overall pick, and you would hope to get more for somebody like that when you know the amount of draft capital that you put into this guy but listen he hasn't done anything in the seven years in the nhl i'm surprised that he was able to get a second rounder plus a prospect that was taken in the second round just a year ago so essentially two second round picks for sam bennett can you tell me what player did not go for two second round picks joe specifically <laughs> a player i'm thinking of i'm thinking i don't, can- don't want to say it <laughs> But, like, that, that's what I mean. Like, Calgary, I think, made out, like, bandits here. And I understand the fact that, you know, Bennett is a cheaper cap hit. He is an RFA, not a UFA. Um, so, you know, there's there's some – you'll get him for the long haul in Florida. But still, for them, um, as a rebuilding club, they get a – or not a rebuilding, kind of a retooling club. A guy who I thought needed a change of scenery in Sam Bennett. They end up getting a two and a decent prospect for him. They get a third round pick out of Dave Riddick. And, uh, you know, now Calgary probably not going to make the playoffs here anyways. So they were able to get assets for guys who weren't in their future plans. And then one other trade in the North. What what was going on with this Adam Gaudet deal? You're, you're more plugged into that one than I am. What, what was going on there? So like Vancouver made a couple of weird deals at the deadline. Um, they made two trades with Chicago, which, I mean, I guess you could probably just put them together. It made absolutely no sense why they were made into two <laughs> different deals on the same day. I don't get it. But uh, essentially, um, it was a a fourth-round pick, and Adam Gaudet traded to Chicago for Madison Bowie, a fifth-round pick, and Matthew Highmore. Um, Adam Gaudet is actually like a decent player. Uh, he was uh, in his third year in the NHL. Bottom six centerman, but a guy who you thought could be like a future third line center, third line guy who could, uh, you know, develop into a shutdown type defender um, or centerman. And, and that's kind of what they were grooming him to be. And for whatever reason, um, he fell out of favor in Vancouver. Now, I don't want to go and like say false narratives here, but he was technically patient zero when it came to their COVID situation down in Vancouver. And there are some rumblings that uh, that had something to do with it. And, and there was an issue in the locker room with Adam Gaudet and the rest of the guys. And um, according to Jim Benning's post-deadline presser, where he came out and said he just needed a change of scenery, it was very weird because he's only, you know, a couple years into the into his pro hockey career and already you're saying that this guy needs a, a change in scenery. This is gonna be his first full season in the NHL and, and you're already giving up on him at, at like 24, 25 years old. It was just kind of bizarre and, and if you're kind of reading between the lines, there's uh, uh, just the assumption that there's some bad blood there with the whole COVID situation and with him being the first guy to, to kind of bring it to the room. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the North Division. Ottawa didn't do anything interesting, I don't think, right? Um, Montreal, Eric Gustafson, but not a major move there. Go ahead. 
Well, I think Ottawa, I, I do want to just say like hats off to them for the, the few moves that they did make. Um, just they had like a three pack of veteran defensemen, UFA guys who are about to be up, maybe not going to come back. Uh, so they decided to to just get some assets for them. And, and to me, that's just a that's just smart business. And that's something that like Vancouver did not do. <laughs> a guy like Brandon Sutter, mm-hmm. I felt uh, was someone who should have been on the move, someone who you probably could have retained some money on. And, and he could have helped somebody as a third or fourth line center. And they just didn't make moves. That said, they're a little hand tied, I guess, with the whole COVID situation with a lot of guys still on the COVID list. And Benning came out and said a few days prior that he probably wasn't going to be busy just based on what had happened over the last couple of weeks in Vancouver. Um mm-hmm. So there's that. But uh, yeah, I think just Ottawa, nice little piece of work. Vancouver, not very much. And Montreal, uh, I mean, the Eric Stahl addition was nice. Uh, They made a couple of depth defensive moves. But overall, I didn't expect for them to do much. There was some some thoughts that they could make an addition right after Brendan Gallagher went down. But when you really think about it, are they do they stand a chance here this season? And, and are they going to go all in and move, you know, a, a high draft pick or a high prospect to probably have the same fate and get ousted in the first round? I mean, that's just not good asset management. So I, at the first, I was like, wow, I'm surprised that they didn't go out and out of forward. But then once you think about it, kind of makes sense yeah all right well let's move on from the north division when we come back we will go through the east division the anthony matha trade uh with detroit and washington the taylor hall trade between buffalo and boston and jeff carter back in the east and with the pittsburgh penguins so we'll go through all those deals uh, and more when we come back on the locked on nhl podcast with joe dibiase and mike DeStefano. RockAuto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. A word for Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but you got the NBA, college hoops, the NHL, all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. For these Saber games, you could bet on the exact amount of which either the Sabres or their opponent will win by. So if you think the Sabres are going to win by exactly two, you can find odds for the Sabres winning by exactly two. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. The best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag is the site. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Remember to use the promo code Locked on. 
Welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast, Joe DiBiase and Mike DiStefano. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Jamal Murray, Denver Nuggets point guard, out for the season with a torn ACL. What does that mean for the Nuggets and the Western Conference? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, we continue on with our trade deadline recap, and we are now in the East Division. Let's start at the top of the East Division. The Capitals are in first place at 60 points. I think they made, in my opinion, they made the worst trade. They made the worst trade that I have seen as a hockey fan that I can remember. Even worse than Taylor Hall for uh, Adam Larson, for Peter Shirelli back in the day. I, I am not... This is an opinion thing, and there are many that would maybe go on the other side, but I would have to think that even the people that would go on the other side wouldn't be too far on the other side. I would rather have Jacob Vrana than Anthony Mantha as a player. He's Vrana is sixth in goals per, per 60 minutes played in the last three seasons in the NHL. He's played limited minutes, 14 minutes a night for the, the Capitals. He's put up 20 goals. He's been around 50 points. He is electric. He's fast. He can produce. He's just, to me, a more overall complete offensive player than Mantha is. Mantha is a better finisher, no doubt. He is a sniper. But the numbers are not all that different, and I like the style of player Vrana is better. He's got only one year left in his contract that he's an RFA versus Mantha's got three years left at $5.7 He's a year younger, so the ages are comparable. But Washington gave up Richard Ponick, who is a decent middle six player, and then a first and a second on top of it. I could, I was kind of blown away by this trade. I don't really know what the Capitals see in Mantha that they thought he was such a better upgrade than Vrana. I, I would think there has to be more to it, something contractually, because to me, on paper, this trade didn't make any sense. Um, definitely, like when you when you look at the trade as a whole, certainly not. Like that is an overpayment and a half. Like <laughs> realistically, like Verona Ponic and a two would have made, would have made a lot more sense. And I would have said, okay, I could see it even still a little bit of an overpayment, but all right, that makes sense. And then the fact that they got a first round pick on top of it, like Steve Eisenman is just a wizard. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, my thoughts on the deal. First of all, I think I'm a little higher than on Mantha than than some people are. I, mm-hmm. I would say I have Mantha as a better player than than Verona. It's not by much. It may be by a hair. Like I said, Verona and a second would have made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first round pick included is just I don't know what McClellan was thinking. Uh, the only thing that I can possibly say is is he really wanted Mantha, and, and you know he's he's just a. Uh, a, a heavy guy, like a bigger guy, and maybe that's what they wanted on their team. Like, I know they already have, like, a Tom Wilson-type player, and Ovechkin plays a heavy game, and maybe they just wanted more of that uh, to be part of their identity, just be a tough team to play against. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of what Mantha can bring to you. And the fact that he has cost certainty, right? He just signed an extension, and, and they know sure. exactly what he's going to cost going forward, where Verona, I think, is a pending RFA. And, yep. you know, you don't know exactly what's going to happen with him, how much he's going to want, um, and and how difficult those negotiations may be, especially since Alex Ovechkin is going to be up for contract this summer as well. People yes. uh, don't, don't forget about that. So I think it's, uh, you know, maybe it's just he's a better fit for this team, coupled with the fact that um, just the cost certainty maybe put mm-hmm. him at ease. But giving up a first and a second on top of Rana, that's just asinine. Stevie 
Wiseman, just absolute yeah. magician. magician. He is he is trying to build Detroit back up through the draft, kind of similarly to how he did it with Tampa Bay. They have two first round picks in this year's draft. They have three second round picks. They have two third round picks. They have two fourth round picks, and they have two fifth round picks. So. They are loaded when it comes to draft capital in the 2021 draft. They also have two seconds next year, so they're they got picks everywhere. And um, Eisenman did a good job, like you know, putting together a squad with picks in the middle rounds. Mm-hmm. Like Rally was a third rounder, Braden Point was a third rounder, Eric Chernak was a, a yeah. second rounder. Like they, they were Kucherov. Able- Kucherov was a second round pick. By the yeah, Kucherov. He was a second round pick, but it was more of the Russian factor why he slipped. Yeah, uh, that's I think he was supposed to go earlier, but anyway, but, uh, yeah, right, but you're right. You're right. I guess a second round pick for Nikita Kucherov, but like this guy does really well in the middle rounds. Um, and I think that goes back to like the early days of, of uh, Detroit where they did really good in the, in the late mid rounds. And, you know, so I think that uh, it, it just makes a lot of sense that, yeah. you know, Steve Eisenman is, is trying to kind of replicate what he did in Tampa, which is basically replicating what they did in Detroit over you know those 20 years while he was there. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, go to third in the division. The Islanders, their big move was Kyle Palmieri. We already talked about that. They did, uh, on last week's episode, we did um, not talk about Braden Coburn, but I don't really think that rates all that much. Coburn to the Islanders for a seventh. That's what New York did. The Penguins, who currently sit in third place in the East Division with 56 points. In fact, they're not out of the race for first. They're four points back of Washington um, with a game in hand. I don't know, by the way, this isn't the deadline related, but I don't know how much it matters seeding in the East. Of course, you want home ice advantage, but those four teams, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them come out of that division in first at the end of it. Do you, do you agree with that or do would you differ? Yeah, it's it's going to be a great playoff series between all of them. I wouldn't want to face any yeah. of them. Like they all, each of those four teams went out and made additions at the deadline, and and that's kind of what I was talking about. Where Winnipeg failed to um, make a, a response to the Leafs after the Leafs made a splash. Right. Where if you look at this East Division, the Islanders went out and made their deal early by picking up Paul Mary. So what does Boston do? They say, all right, well, let's go out and get Taylor Hall. And then a couple hours later, Pittsburgh's like, well, we're going to get ourselves a Jeff Carter. And then Washington comes in last minute and they're like, we're going to get Anthony Mantha. Like they all went out and made big time deals. Like arguably the biggest deals of the deadline were made within the East division. And this is going to be a fantastic uh, race yep. to see kind of how things shake out between probably first, second, third. Boston's probably locked up the four spot there. But then, like you said, once you get to the playoffs, a- any yeah. of these four teams can win a playoff round. Like, I, other than home ice advantage, you're right. It really is just going to be a solid, solid playoffs. Um, good two rounds between all four of these teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're still not going to put the Rangers out of it just yet. I think yeah. uh, they're they're still kicking around. They they're back four points. They got two games ahead of Boston, but I think you mentioned what last week that they still have a bunch of games against each other too, right? Uh, the Bruins and the Rangers. Yeah. Well, I know Boston's got sixteen games left, and I do know that five more of them are against the Sabers. I don't know about anyone else, but let's Maybe see. They got a couple games against the Islanders. They only have they have two games left against the Rangers, but it's right towards the end of the season. So if the Rangers hang around long enough, then that two game miniseries, uh, they would have to do really well to get to that point where those games matter. 
But if they could flip both of them, I mean, that's a that's an eight point swing right there in those two games. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? I won't completely count out the Rangers yet. I still will say I'm surprised or I would be surprised if they do it because the Bruins have two games in hand. And as I mentioned, five games left against the Sabres is, uh, is, <laughs> is something that you would like to have. Um, the Penguins real quick, they did trade for Jeff Carter, um, for a conditional third round pick and a conditional fourth round pick. He's fine at this point in his career. I think he could still finish. He could still score goals. You could put him on the power play and he's still going to be able to contribute for you. Um, Pittsburgh though, like, I don't know. Did they need anything major? They don't really have the prospect or the pick capital. I think to do much, much better than they did here with Carter. Yeah, I I don't think so either. I mean, that's probably, it it was something that nobody was expecting. It kind of came out of nowhere, but it makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like to me, it it makes sense. You you bring in a guy like Jeff Carter who can come in and kind of solidify yourself down the middle. He gives you an additional weapon that you can toss on the wing in the top six if need be once you get there. Somebody who has that cup pedigree and can instill that into your Gensels and your Brian Russ and, you know, those other younger guys who are coming up uh, that maybe weren't, weren't around during the those cup runs a few years back so i think that uh definitely it makes sense i don't know if it's a type of move that makes pittsburgh you know legit cup contenders by any means um i i'm it's tough shocked to trust the goaltending still it is right like I, i'm yeah. shocked that they're still within you know the reach of winning this division when i think you and i were both actually like on record saying yeah. we thought Pittsburgh was going to fall out of it and not even make the playoffs this year. And now that, well, that's turning out to probably not be the case. That said, though, actually, eh, the Bruins do have two games in hand on Pittsburgh and they're only six back. So they win both those games. It's only a two point swing. So maybe they're not quite locked into that third slot, mm-hmm. like I like I, I said before. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a nice little, little move to make an addition. Mm-hmm. But uh, it certainly isn't going to put them over the top. All right. And then the other big move in this division is between interdivision uh, teams between the Sabres and the Bruins. I almost said rivals there, but it didn't sound right coming out. We The Sabre fans out easily. It, I don't even think it's close. The team that they hate the most, and maybe this is a lot of fan bases, actually, probably not just reserved to Buffalo. Um, the team they hate the most is the Bruins. Well, that's and, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. Right. Like, there's a lot of, right. of teams that hate the Bruins. The, the reason I stopped short of saying rival, though, is there's no way that feeling is mutual. I don't think Bruins fans care about the Sabres in any way. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, it's kind of that. It's almost like that Patriots-Bills rivalry. Um, you know, the, the Patriots just beat them all the time, so they probably didn't think about them. They're more worried about the Steelers and the Ravens. But here, we're like, oh, I hate that Tom Brady. Like, can't, can't wait to beat him. Um, so they make a trade, a very rare trade between the two clubs. I don't think they had made a trade in over 10 years. Uh, Danny Paye, once upon a time, went from the Sabres to the Bruins. Um, and that's like it. There's not like almost no trade history there. Did won a cup for them. That's a, like a good role player for them, too. Um, so Hall goes to the Bruins along with Curtis Lazar for Anders Bjork and a second round pick. So... To provide a little context here, what we've found out in the last couple of days, and Sabres GM Kevin Adams said this up front, and Hall even, I was almost surprised how frank Hall was. Hall in his Zoom call meeting with the Boston media was like, yeah, like it, my no movement clause got me here. 
And Adams confirmed that. Kevin Adams says says that, yeah, we were only really dealing with the Bruins because that's where Hall said he wanted to play. And he held all the cards because he had the no movement clause. So that what I will find. Go ahead. What was that? Was that a full no move or a modified no move? It was a full no move. So mm, yeah. he, that, like, so Pierre Lebrun reported that the Sabres had a better trade offer from a team in the West, but Hall said, I wanted to play for the Bruins. So they were kind of stuck having to deal with them. Now, the other part of this is that, that declaration that I want to play for the Bruins didn't come until Sunday. So my thought was that changed after Toronto traded for Nick Felino. So that's why I said earlier, I think the Felino trade affected the outcome of the Hall trade because, you know, like the Leafs clearly agreed with your thinking that Nick Felino fits better for the Leafs lineup and he's more worthy of, a, of spending a first round pick for that team. Had they disagreed with that sentiment and had they wanted to go in on Taylor Hall, I think that Hall would have accepted a trade to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's how it sounds to me. That's how it feels to me. And I think once Toronto was out on Hall, the Sabres were kind of stuck. They were only able to deal with the Bruins. And I think that is why the price is what it is. Now, that's defense on why it is what it is. But still, at the end of the day, um, it's a very bad return for a player that, yes, only has two goals. But I, I'll, as someone that's watched every game of his this year, that two goal number is not representative of how many chances he creates, um, how many times he enters the zone clean, cleanly and sets up offensive opportunities for others. Um, the price sucks for a player of that magnitude. I don't really, there's really no other way to say it. I think I saw a stat and I'm probably going to butcher it because I'm just, I, I don't have it in front of me here, but it said something along the lines of the fact that Taylor Hall has had the most breakaways mm-hmm. over the last two years and has scored on 0% of them. You drilled it. He has no goals on breakaways, and he has the most in the league in two years. Isn't that insane? insane? I almost didn't want to believe that. because insane. I, For yeah, a guy it's, who's that skilled, and a guy who has scored 40 in the league before and has an amazing shot, like you would think, and creativity at that, you would think that this dude barreling in on a breakaway would be able to score like at least on 30% of his breakaways. Like yeah. the fact that he hasn't right. scored one blows my mind. And you got to think that that is just like poor puck luck and, 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 you know, poor PDO, a minus PDO. And now that he's on yeah. Boston in a different situation, not drinking that Buffalo water, which just turns <laughs> everything to crap. No, but, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but like you got to think that this dude is, is going to light it up with the Bruins. No. I, I think he's going to do really well. I think I, I like the spot for him. I kind of like that he didn't go to a team where he's got to be the focal point. The Bruins are just asking him to come in and make their second line reputable, you know, because Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn are going to be the ones driving the bus. So Hall's just kind of got to sit down there with David Krejci and Craig Smith, who he's playing with right now. And he doesn't have to even be, I think, a superstar that he was with the Devils for this trade to be worth it for the Bruins. I think he's got to be you know, a good second line player. And that's not a super high bar. I think Hall clears it. I think this was a no risk trade for the Bruins. Um, A second round pick. There's not much that he would have to do for, for him to clear the bar of it being worth it. Be honest with you. Like this guy scores five goals from here until the deadline. And then scores like, you know, at least two or three 
goals within a seven game series. To me, that's worth a second round pick. And and assuming that the, yeah. the Bruins get a couple of wins within that series, that that's probably worth the second round pick for, yeah. for Hall though. Like it makes sense because, and, and I listened to uh, his press conference afterwards and a big reason why he wanted to, to go play in Buffalo, he said was because he wanted to not be the guy and I don't think he liked that when he was there early on in Edmonton, when he was there in, in New Jersey. Jersey yeah. And a big reason why he ended up choosing Buffalo was to sit shotgun to Eichel and let him be the guy. Well, he can do that now, but thrice guys better than right. him <laughs> with Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn. So he's not just the second guy or even the third guy. He's now just the fourth option. And it's like, oh, if you can just add some supplementary offense, that would be great. And I think that's going to take a load off of him. And he's just going to be yeah. able to go out there clear-headed and just play hockey. And I think when this guy's out there just playing hockey – he can be a dynamite force, and I think he's going to do that for the Bruins. I really do like the fit with Boston, um, and I think that a second-round pick is is basically just like yeah. absolute gold for the Bruins. Also, yeah. Gross, the way that he, the way that Butchagross, uh, I love that. I love oh it. My God, <laughs> that. That was better than anything that. Uh, I, Adrian did uh, better I, than anything that he's ever done. That Butchagross. <laughs> tweet little thing thread was absolutely amazing i want him to become a trade breaker now just so he can keep doing it in that style like everyone put the puzzle together it's up to you to figure it out i love that yeah um he also funny enough too like he had that when he posted it a good 30 minutes before any of the insiders said anything about it and and like he posted hall and then just a a picture of the boston sky I and didn't know that that was Boston, by the way. <laughs> neither did you. I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't either until I clicked and saw the comments. And I yeah, figured, okay, I'm sure somebody will be like, oh, this is what... It-. I think actually you quote tweeted it and said Boston. And I was like, yeah. oh. I think it's actually your tweet that I saw quote tweeted, Booty Gross. But yeah. uh, that was genius. Absolutely genius. Yeah. Um, plenty more on that trade if you want uh, at Locked on Sabres. Uh, we don't need to go much further than that. Well, I'll, I'll say one quick thing. I, I was going to say, I have a question for you, though. Like, go, I, you, go, you shoot. Go ahead. I just, I want to hear how upset you were when you found out that the return was just for a second round pick. And then if that was the return and that was the best that he could get, why didn't he wait until like 259 the following day and maybe Taylor Hall would have yeah. changed his tune and been like, man, I guess they really aren't going to move me unless I go for this first rounder. All right, that, I guess go to this Western team. But they didn't even do that. They just straight up like, all right, fine, go to Boston. We'll take this trash. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good question because, you know, like there is there is something to be said for, okay, we didn't have any choice because he said we wanted to play for the Bruins. You still did have a choice because if you threatened Hall with, okay, well, we're not trading you for a second round pick. So guess what? You can go play for Arizona or whoever the hell would have been that Western Conference team. Arizona wouldn't have done it. He was just there. San Jose. San Jose wants to trade for you to make a run for the playoffs. And he says, no, it's like, all right, well, you're staying here. You really want to do that? Or do you want to take a run at the playoffs? And maybe you get in and you can increase your value. Um, So I, I thought that they did have some control, even though they obviously did not have more leverage than Hall did in the situation. Now, 
as it how was a staring right. contest. Like it was like you talk about a, there's a staring contest and right. you know someone blinks first. There wasn't the contest didn't even start. No, the Sabers didn't even engage in it. They conceded right. before they even looked at each other. That's like right. That, exactly. That's right. So that 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 is a fair criticism for sure on this trade. As to how upset I was, I don't know. I was surprised I wasn't more upset because I thought he should have got them a first round pick. And I think the reason that I it was hard for me to get more upset was thinking back to the offseason and how blown away I was that he chose to come here to come here. Like yeah. I it made no sense to me. Like that guy has done more losing than any player in the league. And he's coming to the team that's done more losing than anybody in the league. Like yeah. it blew me away. So the idea that they signed him and they got a second round pick and a bottom line player who's probably not going to be much more than that. You know, it was like at the end of the day, I feel like they kind of got that for free. So no, they didn't get market value for him. But again, I didn't think he was coming here in the first place. So that's that's like that's why I wasn't as upset as I thought I might be. All right, I got a follow-up for you, Joe. This is somewhat of a joke, but also a legitimate question. Would you have rathered, and let's say this was like a year ago, where you had a, an all-star prospect like Alexi Lafreniere, like a, a, a true um, superstar-in-the-making type guy. Would you have rathered keep Taylor Hall and guarantee you to win the lottery, because that's what Taylor Hall teams do, they win the lottery, <laughs> or would you rather... Take that second round pick. Um, if if it was a draft like last season, I would absolutely take the lottery. <laughs> Give me as much lottery ball luck as I can get. Um, because you second round picks are about thirty percent successful. Uh, th- about thirty percent of the time, they become NHL players. So it's more likely than not that that guy will never become a Buffalo Saber. Uh, could happen, but. Do you- do you think that that rolled through Kevin Adams' mind where he was thinking, he's like, <laughs> it's you know, maybe. Pick, but if I hold them, yep. then maybe we can get the first overall pick and actually win the lottery <laughs> for one. I'm for- just going to hold them. Let's do it. Let's hold them. <laughs> Last year or the year before, I'm definitely in on something like that. The Matthews draft, the McDavid draft, um, the McKinnon draft. Like There are a ton of drafts where, for sure, I'm doing that. This year, though, I don't care if I'm one or four. Yeah, because exactly. That's why I thought like, yeah. it, it is an interesting... Like, as yeah. much of a joke <laughs> of, of a question that was, it, it's more so well, just like if this was actually like a year where there was a, a legitimate prospect at number one, like a surefire, this is the top guy. I wonder if that would have crossed Kevin Adams' mind. Like, obviously, I'm joking. You wouldn't do that because you have terrible odds of actually winning the lottery. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you actually have Taylor Hall or not. Mm-hmm. But I still think that uh, I just wonder if that actually crossed his mind. <laughs> Yeah. Hall Hall has won the lottery. Well, his teams have won the lottery five times. If you're if you're not, if you're wondering what we're joking about here. Um Edmonton four times and New Jersey once. No, New Jersey twice. Edmonton three times, I think is what it is. Heesher and uh Jack Hughes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, hey mate, well no, Boston's not gonna win the lottery. So no, uh so he avoids it this year, at least. He real quick last thing and then we'll wrap. He's got to go to a contender finally, right? Like, is is he just going to go to a team that's going to decide to pay him seven million dollars next off season? I, the guy, I mean, I want to see him win. 
because and like even from listening to him all year in Buffalo, like he's a straight shooter. He'll tell you exactly what he's thinking. He said in his Boston uh, introductory Zoom call, like he frankly admitted, like I want like Jack Eichel's a better hockey player than I am. Yeah, and like of course he's right, but you don't hear hockey players talk like that. Um, so I could appreciate like how open and honest he was. And I can root for a guy like that. Like he he showed up the Buffalo and he's wearing the Josh Allen jersey. Like like he he knows how to play his cards right in terms of you know like he wants to be one of the guys. Um, so I want to root for him to win, but you got to go to a contender for that to happen. So I I wonder what his market will be like this off season. It, it, there's no way he's going to get the eight million he got last year. No, not a chance. Absolutely not a chance. Which is why I'm I'm I am curious to see what happens. And you know if if it goes well in Boston. I there could be money there for him in Boston cuz David Krejci's contract is going to be up as he be 35 years old. You're definitely not going to re-sign him at 725. Um, you know, Taylor Hall, his money will obviously come off the books like just taking a look right now, they have 30 million dollars in projected cap space for next season and the only real player that they need to re-sign I would say is maybe Tuka Rask if he doesn't actually retire um, right. Yarrow Halak I suppose but then after that they don't really have anybody who they need to re-sign like Nick Ritchie don't think that's going to cost you very much um, so they're going to actually have some cap space next year uh, Brandon Carlo actually I think may may cost them a little bit but outside of those guys again they'll have the cap space to bring him back if it actually works. And, and I think that Taylor Hall on that squad looks pretty good. Yeah. They have right now $30 million in cap space for next yeah. season. Um, like you said, Carlo, you know, but that's not going to be, you know, super cost prohibitive. No. Like that's, that's going to be what? $3 million, something around there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. The floor, but yeah. And then goalie is a question too. It's not going to cost them 30 million, but um they, there's a potential they're completely starting over in that. So we'll see what becomes of them. I, I wonder about Rask coming back uh, or Halak. I think at least one returns. Now, actually, funny enough, maybe you can get a little peek into the window of what the Bruins think because Elliot Friedman and 31's thoughts said the Sabres were gunning for their two young goalies, Jeremy Swayman and Daniel Vladar, and Boston wouldn't trade them. And I wonder if one of the reasons they wouldn't trade either one of them is they have no clue what's going to happen with Rask or Halak. So Boston and net is interesting, and it could affect it could affect at least a little bit uh, a chase for a Taylor Hall. So and both of those guys are on their rookie deals this season. So I mean they've got right. two years of cheap goaltending. If if that is the case, then they're going to have a lot of money at the de- at free agency to go out and make some additions, yeah. and we need blue line help badly. So if they yeah. can get themselves. You know, bring back Taylor Hall. He could probably bring Krejci back just on a cheaper deal and give him like a $3 million contract, not seven and a half. And then go in and, and add to that blue line. I think that the Bruins have a chance to kind of retool it and, and be even better next year than they are this year if that goaltending can hold up. That's right. All right. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us on the Locked On NHL podcast. You can check us out on Twitter, Sneaky Joe at Sneaky Joe Sports, and Mike is at Mickey underscore Canuck. I will be back on Friday show with Tom Gazzola, and me and Mike will be back next Tuesday. We'll, we're getting closer to the playoffs. We'll start looking ahead to the postseason. There's always potential to talk about playoff matchups um, as they stand down the stretch and the home stretch of the season here. So all of that coming up next week. 
Thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Lockdown NHL Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.